0: Kaden schulte here with my brother cal and you are listening to eating w's eat the w that's a w let's eat one let's eat one that's a w so today on eating w's we are going to give each of our draft recaps for our favorite team which mine is the vikings Calen's is the packers and then one team that we thought really won the draft overall and another team who we thought lost the draft Now, of course, everyone's doing draft recaps because the draft just ended last weekend. And this is kind of the lull point for the NFL. So in between the free agency and draft and then now the season starting, it's kind of boring. Not boring per se, but there's not much happening. Not a ton of news coming out, except for the Rodgers stuff, which we'll talk about later if you stay tuned. But we're still going to be doing weekly podcasts. And we thank you so much if you continue to listen, but we understand if you cannot because... Like I said, it's definitely a lull. But to get going with our draft recap, I'll start off with the Minnesota Vikings, as I said, was my favorite team. And I mean, I decided that I couldn't say the Vikings won the draft because I had to pick another team for this that won the draft. But let's be honest, the Minnesota Vikings won the draft. We filled every need that we needed this year. We filled needs for the future. Like we just won the draft. Starting off, we move back from the 14th overall pick to the 23rd and pick up two third rounders from the Jets and still get the guy we were going to pick at 14 in Christian Derisaw, the offensive tackle at Virginia Tech. The man is a beast. I, he's not one of those guys who's going to run your ass into the ground every play. But man, he is so technically sound. And just because he's not going to run you into the ground doesn't mean he is not going to block to the whistle. That was one of my favorite things watching a film about him is he did not stop till the play was over. I know you really thought that it was going to be Elijah Vera Tucker. I loved Elijah Vera Tucker at
1: 14, which he actually ended up getting taken at 14, mm-hmm. ironically. But... So he must not have been a target for the Vikings. He was no. your target, but they, they thought different.
0: I hadn't actually watched any film on saw. I had just watched film on I watched film on Tucker and Slater because I thought they he, they a, were the two guys. A lot that, of them had Slater or Tucker yeah. going to Minnesota at fourteen. So I and so I didn't watch any film on Darassaw before the draft. But after watching it, after we drafted him, watching it after the draft, I think overall, I think Darassaw is the better player. The only thing I liked more for the Vikings about Vera Tucker is the fact that he can play guard and tackle, which we like to do with our offensive linemen is make them play both. And I think that's really what we needed was a guard, a guy who could play guard or tackle. But as I'll we'll talk about in a second, we picked up a guy in the third who is amazing an offensive guard, who I like just as much. So I think we really filled that in anyway. And then get ready, because at the sixty six overall pick, the second pick in the third round, we picked up Kellen Mond. And you're going to hear me get a little fangirly right here because I'm not going to lie. Before the draft, I watched no film on Kellen Mond. I think I talked about in our last podcast that I really liked Kyle Trask. I only watched film on certain quarterbacks, and sadly, Mond wasn't one of them.
1: It's hard to watch film on all these prospects. Unless, I know. Unless you're
0: Mel Kiper, who yeah. just you know, hibernates all year until April. <laughs> so yeah I really like Kyle Trask and I really do still like Kyle Trask as a prospect I think he'll do really good in Tampa because I mean if you can drag a dead corpse like Tom Brady to a Super Bowl you can (laughs) you can make a rookie quarterback look really good but after watching film and comparing Kyle Trask and Kellen Mond I think Mond is such a better prospect he's definitely raw I mean he's very inconsistent in some games I watched one game where he looked like a first round pick and I watched some games where he looked like an undrafted free agent but I think sitting behind Cousins for 2 years learning from him adjusting to the NFL and then coming out in his 3rd year he is going to be so 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 good I mean his ability to not only throw the ball accurately but run the ball I mean that gives Clint Kubiak the option if he wants to if he's still there when Mon starts to run read options sweeps uh uh, pitch options like where they both run a sweep and then you can pitch it to the running back if he wants and also mon just has the ability to get the first down if everybody's covered if it's a complete shutdown coverage he has the ability to get that with his feet which is something cousins really started to develop this year but nothing like mon can do it you
1: know you might you might see mon sooner rather than later sources have told me that cousins is actually really upset by the pick yeah, well, yeah. sources are bullshit. We're learning
0: that. <laughs> We're learning that big time recently. Damn! We'll talk about that a little later. We'll save it. But you're going to hear a lot about sources coming up here. He might
1: not play this year because Mont. you know. They, yeah, yeah. They,
0: they, didn't, they didn't consult him. Oh, did, sources you, did you hear that from Adam Sheffer? I, I did. That's, yeah. He's, he's really source. reliable. <laughs> okay, but... Matter of the fact is, I'm in love with Kellen Mond. I can't wait (laughs) until he's the starting quarterback. Kyle Trask, who? A little little, little, foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. (laughs) Like I said, I still like Kyle Trask, but Mond is light years better. And then another pick, the next pick in the third round at 78 overall, was Chaz Surratt, which, I mean, I watched a little film on him. He's very athletic. He looks good. But I'm not sure if we really need to pick him up at 3 or at... In the third, third round, round, I think we could have gotten somebody else, but you know, maybe he'll come out and do really good. Interesting fact about him is he was actually a quarterback until I believe it is his sophomore year. Mm-hmm. He was at starting UNC. quarterback
1: at UNC, I believe. Yeah. I might be wrong on it. He might have seceded Trubisky. Um, I think he succeeded, yeah. Trubisky. I don't. Th-
0: I'm not sure if he ever started. I think he came in, but I don't know. But if But he... yeah,
1: he was after Trubisky. But yeah, it, I mean I that lineup like, yeah. when he came up yep. as a
0: freshman. So
1: somewhere along, he was at least on the chart. At so, the yeah. very least. I mean, if
0: he comes out and does really well, he's very athletic. He just mm-hmm. needs to learn the game a little more. So I could see that. And then one of my favorite picks in the draft, other than Kellen Mond, value wise. Is Wyatt Davis in the third round at eighty six overall, guard out of Ohio State. I think this guy is going to be good, good, good. He had a lot of injury questions coming in, that's why he dropped so much. But he's a pure guard to go with the pure tackle that we picked mm-hmm. up in Christian Darasaw. I think that we move Ezra Cleveland, our current right, ta- our current right guard, to left guard because he actually came in as a left tackle. So he'll be a little more natural on that left side. And then we move Wyatt Davis to right guard, which I believe is what he played in Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And I think the Vikings O-line is going to look like a whole different unit getting those two guys in there, getting rid of Richard Hill and Dakota Dozier.
1: Oh, yeah. It's all coming together. Wyatt Davis is my favorite pick for you guys. That is a first-round talent who fell in the third round due to injuries and due to being position specific like you said yeah this guy is a big he is what they call a road grader yeah he is a peer He's guard he there's no way he could ever be tackled because he no. would get they would run around him like like a
0: turnstile, style you know <laughs> and, <laughs> just, just like i said and, with, like i said with christian derisaw where he wasn't really a guy that's gonna run your ass into the ground Wyatt Davis is the guy. Is who's the guy come that will do that. Into the ground. And
1: when when you're going up against the the defensive lines of you know, uh, who does the Lions have? Deron Payne. Oh yeah. And Kenny Clark. You need that big yeah. guard.
0: He's gonna come out on a pole and he's gonna light a linebacker up. I cannot wait that, for this season. That
1: was a really good pickup for you guys. Is everyone difficult this for me to say.
0: <laughs> everyone's talking about how like. Christian McCaffrey's gonna come back and be a good running back. And oh, King Henry's definitely best running back in the league. Behind a line like this, Dalvin Cook is taking over next year. There is not even a competition.
1: I watched Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook single handedly win that game in Lambeau against oh my the Packers. God. What did he have? He had 200 some rushing yards and all four touchdowns.
0: Yeah, and he had like he well, he had like a 50 yard screen, so he had mm-hmm.
1: minimum fifty yards. Oh yeah, he yeah, had five total. Yeah. He had four rushing and one receiving touchdown. And I have not seen a running back single-handedly win a game like that since Adrian Peterson. Since Peters Adrian Peterson. Game. That's, yeah, And before that, I hadn't seen one since Barry Sanders. So I don't know what it is about the NFC North, <laughs> and these, <laughs> Game-changing
0: running backs—they're <laughs> falling on teams yeah. that can't win a Super Bowl. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but let's—we're Super Bowl bound. <laughs> we're going to change that for Dalvin. Don't worry. <laughs> I mean, he did all that last year running behind Dakota Dozier, Drew Summer to I can't. I can't pronounce. You had to release the, the one time. guy. who was so and bad. And Rashard Hill, Riley yeah. Reif, Elf line, or oh yeah, mid season. Efl- Elf line went to the Bengals, yeah. I think, and that, Riley Reef just yeah. got signed by the. Uh, he went to the Bengals. To the Bengals, yeah. Went to the Jets, I. Th- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, when Dalvin Cook can do that well behind those old linemen, when we get guys like this coming in, I really do think, I, I mean, sure, maybe it's a biased Vikings fan thing. I think we make a deep playoff run this year. I really do. I mean, and then also we have Justin Jefferson coming back. Kirk Cousins is going to have a line to throw behind Adam Thielen. When there's just so many offensive weapons, if our defense can even be a bend-don't-break defense and make a couple turnovers, I don't think you can keep up with an, our, our offense in the NFC. You never did get that edge rusher, did you? Well, uh, I'm going to talk about it a little bit, but we got multiple defensive ends who aren't quite edge rushers, but I think with Daniil Hunter and an edge rusher like DJ Wanham coming back for his sophomore season, edge rusher wasn't really a need, and we got a couple of defensive ends who can play it both, who can play the run and rush when they need to. And uh, Patrick Jones out of Pitt at 90 overall, he's a defensive end. And uh, Janarius Robinson out of Florida State at 134 are both defensive ends who can really get to the passer. They seem like 4-3 defensive ends, looking at those guys. they're not uh, Pat Jones definitely is, but I think Robinson can play them both. You still run a 4-3, don't you? Yeah, yep. yeah. we're a 4-3. Yeah, Sometimes you run like a four two five 2 yeah, 5 type thing, always a little but mixture. for the but, most part it's but a 4 you, three. you have a yeah. base
1: defense that you're you're prominent in
0: usually teams are and then that's pretty much it I mean that's a winning draft right there not even counting these other guys but a couple of other picks I really like include Cameron Bynum at 125 he's a corner out of Cal that I think we can move into a safety position and he can still come down and play that hybrid man guy which I really like being a corner I love Amir Smith-Marset at 157 from the of course the Iowa Hawkeyes Cal and I's favorite team. We've watched him play in person multiple times. He's going to be a great gadget guy. I can see him filling that wide receiver three role if he gets in there and really develops well. He can return kicks and punts. I mean, it's just such a great pickup at 157. I think he would have really benefited from another year at Iowa. I
1: understand you know, going to the draft when you do. You're going to get drafted. You're going to make money. But I think he would have been even better had he had another year of growth. But... Great, great player also. A little biased, obviously, because of the yeah. Hawkeye connection. But he was probably our top wideout this year until he decided to try to
0: flip in the end zone. <laughs> so just don't let him do any yeah, flips, just... and you'll be fine. Keenan McCardell is going to be like, I swear to God, if you even look like you're doing a flip, I'm cutting you. You're cut. So just you're don't, don't just, cut, just don't even <laughs> land.
1: Whether sure. you land or not, you're, you're cut midair.
0: <laughs> but yeah, he's a great pickup. We pick up Zach Davinson, who is a tight end slash punter out of That's right, that's that guy. Of, yeah. Uh so I don't I think I can't remember where he was at. He's a small school kid. Wasn't yeah, he? he's whatever division uh NDSU is in. I can't remember. Division what, two. I can't remember what that is. I'm
1: old is. school. I know yeah. they changed it. I'm old school when it was division one, division two,
0: division three. I can't remember what they call but it. But
1: it's division two of whatever that is now.
0: Which I mean yeah. in the sixth round, I like it. It's a fun pick. I don't think he's really going to do much other than a practice squad guy, but it's hilarious that we did it. Hey, you never I know. Mean, I mean, I can't think of another tight end slash punter in the league, so I'm going to call him the best tight end slash punter in the league slash draft, definitely. So, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe a practice squad guy. Maybe he comes in and develops great hey, as a tight end. You can use those Who guys knows. in practice
1: to help you know, scout yeah. teams, things like that. It's nice to have those little gadget multiplayers for that. Maybe he's not very talented, but just knowing the position and being able to practice it give your defense or offense some looks on what it would look like to have a guy that can do multiple things
0: yeah it helps in practice and something I just realized I forgot to mention about Smith-Marset is there was a couple times last year that we tried to run a wide receiver sweeps flips stuff like that reverses to Adam Thielen and you know Adam Thielen's not really an open field guy he's a a runner yeah And Smith-Marset is somebody who can come in and run a perfect jet sweep, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So I'd be really interested to see if Clint Kubiak comes in and uses him as a gadget guy like that. Uh, A pick uh, that I really like for how late it was was Twineman. He was a DT, I believe also out of pit, if I'm not mistaken, at 199. And he's just going to be really good to come in as a three-tech on pure passing downs when we run a three-front he can get he can rush the passer pretty well, and he can still take the run if they try to throw that at him. I think he's a good pick for how late it was at pick one ninety nine. Yeah. It that's was our last pick of the draft because we didn't have them. That's a good pick number, you know. What, yeah, you is know, that is
1: that Brady's that's, number? That's the Brady pick oh my God, number. I pick hate number one ninety nine. I I respect Brady. I hate him. Though. Round six, <laughs> so you know you might have the greatest defensive
0: tackle of all time in that slot. Yeah, I mean maybe. It's, it's kind of weird that we drafted a three tech guy since we run the four three, but for those pure passing downs, it'll be nice to have him there because you know neither Michael Pierce or Dalvin Tomlinson are really going to rush the passer very yeah. well, so. Maybe he can come out and do that really well. Uh, I skipped one pick, which was Kene Nag- Nagugu. and Guanu? In, in, in Guanu. I, I know it The names in this draft are so much worse than I've ever seen them before. But he was in the fourth round, I believe, at pick 119, and he's a running back out of Iowa State. Which, first of all, I mean, I get that you kind of have to plan for the future in a draft. I don't... Alexander Masson is still really young, Cook is still pretty young. We're still going to have him for a lot of years, so I don't understand why we waste a pick now. He's kind of a returner guy, so maybe that's what we wanted, but then we drafted Smith-Marset, who's also a returner guy. So overall, he was projected to go to, like, the seventh round. I just don't understand that pick. That's the only bad pick I see in this draft, but other than that, I mean, put it up in the Canton Hall of Fame. God, I love this draft class. I think the Vikings are legit Super Bowl contenders if not Super Bowl, at least deep playoff run contenders next year. So, Callan, I babbled on for long enough about my love for Kellen Mond and the Vikings. How do you think the Packers did?
1: So, the Packers draft,
0: I it was
1: difficult for me. Yeah. It was ruined for me before the draft even started. Um, we'll we'll, talk, we'll about talk We'll talk about, talk that, about that, that after. All right, <laughs> I'll go over the draft first, and then I'll give my opinion on that. You're gonna so, get a lot of it from yeah, both of us. Yeah. So, but draft-wise for the Packers, I did really like this draft. I think it obviously was a lot better than last year's draft. I know last year's draft was highly ridiculed for reasons unknown. Yeah, who knows? Uh, that are still seem to be having repercussions to this day.
0: You can say no one really loved
1: that draft. No, <laughs> I I did it first, but now it's starting to kind of sour. Ah. Uh, but we drafted in the first round. We had, For the first time, actually, Gudakunst stayed in his spot at 29. Every draft Gudakunst has had, he's either traded up or traded back. This is his first pick where it was the natural selection, I guess, where it was the original, yeah, yeah, the original pick. I don't know pick. what you'd
0: call that. Uh, Qu- and they- Wait, quick little thing for me is the Packers, I didn't even know the name of the Packers GM until all this Roger stuff started. He might be one of my favorite named GMs. Gudikunst. Gudikunst. What a Gute name! Kunst. I, mean, I know. You just gotta love you, it. It, I love
1: it. Even as a Vikings fan, I mean, what a name! I know. It- Sounds like he owns some like like he's a Green Bay guy definitely yeah yeah like he's up there selling wiener schnitzels yeah. <laughs> I mean, Gudikunst wiener schnitzels you know I mean he fits right in I he's just, one of them cheese shop owners uh, yeah, you know it right there yeah cheese filled wiener schnitzels
0: oh cheese filled
1: wiener schnitzels mm-hmm. we from, tried one of those from when we went to Wisconsin
0: oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, from,
1: yeah see so, it yeah see it. Perfect. I don't know what he's doing. He's home. He's got something to bay. fall back on if, yeah, yeah. if he really does have to get fired. But we'll get into that again later. So <laughs> He's on the chopping block. Yeah. <laughs> so with the first pick, I really liked it. They took Georgia cornerback Eric Stokes, ran 4 uh, 3 They re-signed Kevin King for a year, which I know he's had ups and downs. But he's a guy who knows the system, I guess, familiarity, Kind of overpaid a little bit, but what was it? I,
0: one year was it 20 million. No,
1: no, Two, it was one year five. Oh, yeah. One year for Who's five million.
0: 20? I don't know
1: what I'm I'll, saying. Yeah, don't but it was, it was five million, and, and I think that's all bonus and all that. It says five, but yeah, what the actual payout could be, we may never know. One of those deals incentive based. So they took Stokes to, I think, eventually replace him, learn under King, and uh kind of I mentioned this in the previous podcast about how when we drafted Jari Alexander we had Devon House and Devon House was a starter to start the year halfway through the season Jari was starting I think something similar like this will happen where we drafted Stokes King is our starter but I think Stokes will play his way into the starting role Jari is a scary man he's locked down and Stokes was treated like Jari at Georgia there's a lot of the beat writers and Twitter people were trying to find film on him. No one threw at him. It's just yeah. like Gyrie. He had. Yeah. Where was Jairie
0: out of? I can't remember.
1: Uh, Louisville. Louisville. Played with, yep. played yeah. with Lamar. Lamar oh. Jackson. Uh, yeah, so the running back? Yeah, the running yeah. back. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stokes was played against uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Justin Jefferson, Terrence Marshall, and collectively there was a stat they showed collectively they threw on those three combined had 18 passes thrown on them and he only they only completed seven for like 50 some yards small sample size but that's that's, good. that's pretty good for those and, and jamar chase it was chase terrence marshall because it was that whole lsu yeah
0: and burrow squad yeah so that's a receiver he was who has proved himself in nfl a quarterback right. who kind of did i mean yeah the, he was a quarterback an
1: and then including last year also that's, he wasn't the quarterback that's impressive I that's didn't chase know that. and, and marshall but when you throw in justin jefferson and clyde edwards Hilaire last year yeah it was like 18 thrown at and like seven completions for 50 yards and that might be a little off here and there but it's the the stat was pretty amazing like jeez dang yeah. that's that's pretty good he's he's a pretty locked down guy uh and then in the second round we took a center out of ohio state uh, which is sounds familiar because our center was cory lindsley out of ohio state who we drafted seven years ago so we decided to just take his replacement in ohio state and drafted josh myers the center out of Ohio State. I really like
0: Quinn Myrnez for you guys. I
1: like him too, Myers. Mearnez is a guard. He's this guy's he he took over at center. He's Wisconsin homegrown. That's the only reason I He took I liked over him. at center for Lindsley. He's been a center his you know, his whole career. Three year starter at Ohio State. That's that's pretty good. Pretty solid line. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. And and I mean it worked before. Look how good Lindsay was at Ohio State and he was a fifth round pick. Yeah. This guy's a second round pick, I Ohio State so I mean why not go back to the well it worked once and an interesting little tidbit his brother is the late night uh, Seth Myers. Uh, sources say sources say that he is related to Seth Myers. so that's always fun yeah
0: you must know. be the
1: same source as Adam Schaffner has. Mm-hmm. that's what yeah he's the one who told me <laughs> he called him uh, you <laughs> with the next pick is my favorite pick this is my far my favorite pick of the draft and Amari Rodgers out of Clemson, the wide receiver. I had some mock drafts that I had seen and done,
0: had him in the first round of Green Bay at 29. And a, a funny little thing that that's your favorite pick, because that was the pick before Wyatt Davis, who you had just yep. said that your was your favorite pick from the Vikings. Yep, yep. It was. They were back-to-back, because... Back Green Bay
1: actually jumped in front of Minnesota to take him. Now, that, had not, that was just coincidental. We were, They we, had been trying to trade up to get Rodgers. Yeah, we were messaging Amari each Rogers. other
0: when that happened. Yeah. And I said maybe we were going to take him, but then we took Wyatt Davis. I was like, no. no it was just coincidence. We Davis were trying to
1: trade up. Yeah. There was four other teams we tried to trade up with first. And we finally struck a deal with the Titans yeah. to get up and get him because I think that Gutekunst didn't want the same thing to happen that happened last year yeah. where he kind of missed out and it was reported that we had offered a deal to Philly last year for their 20th pick and we were going to take Justin Jefferson and how great would that have been dude Philly needed Jalen Rager but I know that was why they turned it down they didn't think that they would that Rager would would have been available where Green Bay was picking which I think was 30 last year Looking at it, I think he would have been available.
0: but That, that was just the Eagles helping us <laughs> out for smoking us. I in guess. The NFC yeah, they were like,
1: game, <laughs> we can't do like, that. We got the you Vikings guys. Sorry. A yeah.
0: uh, with our next pick, we
1: took Royce Newman, uh, an offensive lineman out of uh, Ole Miss. Uh, he's kind of uh, another, he's in the type of, oh, gosh, I can't think of Elton Jenkins. Is that he can play, this guy can play center, guard, tackle. We love those multi-positional. I know that's probably the NFL standard. Yeah. But we really value it. I think we value guys maybe are not as talented, but because they're more versatile, you're higher on our board. Also, if you look at this guy, he has an amazing mullet. Oh, that is
0: nice. Yes. You guys will have to look him Mm -hmm. up because that that is is
1: one nice mullet. Right at it. I mean... Perfect mullet. Yes. You can even tell. He is all business up front, and he is partying in the back. <laughs> you, you can see it in the picture. Well, hopefully let's so really defense the party in the backfield. <laughs> <laughs> Adds depth to our offensive line, and like I said, I really like the versatile picks. With our next pick, we took uh to Daryl TJ Slayton. Big old mama-jama out of Florida. No one really knows about him because this is a run-stuffer run stuffers don't get any attention because nope. they eat up blocks they don't have the stats there's no way to really show what he does but what he does is so important oh, to a defensive so line, and it's so specific but which is why they don't go very high but they're it's so spe- to be able to be a run stuffer and a block eater so important to the functions of the rest of the defense this guy is 6'4 330 pounds Holy yes. crap. We haven't had a guy that big since Gilbert Brown. That know. was a minute ago. What was that, 80s? That, oh, that was the 90s. He played 90s? with Favre. Yeah. They called him the gravedigger. He'd do a sack, and that was he'd stomp, and he'd do a give a little shovel motion. He's a big boy. <laughs> big guy. I loved Gilbert Brown. He was one of my early favorite defensive players. <laughs> so I hope that if he can resemble anything in the success that Gilbert Brown has, excellent pick. Yeah. And, and my dark horse pick was next. I really liked this pick, too, and a lot of the analysts did not. The next pick, we took Shamar Jean Charles, a defensive back out of Appalachian State. Now, small school guy, didn't have a lot of, you know, high competition to go against. However, if you go by the PFF player scoring scale, which is like an analytics thing. Yeah, which this, is huge in the NFL it these is. days. This guy was the number 16 overall player by the PFF scale, hmm. which grades all, I don't know. I don't know what the analytics scale is and having to figure that out. Yeah, But he was one of the best players by their scale. Uh, I don't really know a lot about him because he was a small school guy. I have heard the name. He's a pure nickel corner, basically, is what... what uh, the analysts have said that once I've kind of looked up a bit about him, but they think that he will be the starting nickel corner this year because he was that good. And I know a lot of the analysts didn't like it because he was a small school guy, but we'll see how it turns out. It, yeah. you know, it
0: don't always matter. No, it doesn't. I mean, it these NFL drafts are so hit or miss. It, I know this is. is a little bit of a rant thing, and it's kind of ironic because we're doing it. But I hate the post draft analysis <laughs> right. right after because right. you just never. Know. No, and they're fun to do. You and can't. Talk about, but you yeah. got to wait minimum three years, if not four or five. That's before what they you say. Can Really grade a draft. That's what that's, a lot of people say. Five, but I, minimum five. But I think you can really start to get an
1: opinion after three.
0: Yeah. At, after three, yeah, you
1: got you can really tell after three years. And then uh, after that, we took another offensive lineman, Cole Van Lannan, offensive tackle out of Wisconsin, and Green Bay native. Yeah, he grew up. He took the. He grew up in Green Bay, in the in the neighborhood around Lambeau. He took the call from his house while looking at Lambeau Field. That's pretty See, cool. It, That's it, awesome. It's a one in a million chance. This kid is living a dream. Yeah, he is going to go talk out, about a dream. Exactly. I mean, you want this is a guy you want on your team. The Packers want on your team because if I was told I was going to be playing for the Packers, <laughs> I'd be giving it my all. One hundred. Oh, I mean, yeah. I'd be un, feel like I'd be unstoppable because it's like I'm not. No, I'm you're not, not gonna screwing give, this up. I'm not going to screw this up exactly. So I love this pick just because I think this kid will play great. Because who, how often does that happen? that You get the chance to play for your hometown NFL team. Wow, That's they, amazing. They really s- cool.
0: They say the draft is all these kids living out their dream, which of course it is. But this guy, this I didn't know really that. This kid really did.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. really cool. So I really think he'll do well. And then uh, we took a finally took an inside linebacker, Isaiah McDuffie, out of Boston College. Uh don't really know a whole lot about him. I didn't see a lot of drafts picking him. Uh, I know he was a, he, he started at Boston College. He was an all ACC linebacker and he led Boston College uh, in tackles. So he's a tackle machine. Maybe he can be a little bit like Blake Martinez.
0: Who There was a good linebacker out of Boston College. It wasn't Luke, Keekley, Keekley. Was it yep. Keekly? Okay, was yep. it?
1: Yeah, Keekly came out of Boston College. So, but this kid was taking the sixth round, and the only thing I really knew about him is that our running back, AJ Dillon, uh, McDuffie, and Dillon were roommates while in college. Oh, so, AJ Dillon can, you know, give
0: him a little, yeah, you know, give a little, little system a... and all that.
1: And it's always nice to have someone that you recognize in there. And then with our last pick, we took a running back, Kylan Hill out of Mississippi State. I think just a developmental guy. Uh, you know, we have two running backs in Dylan and Jones. I knew we were going to probably take one in the draft. I like I have, Tyler,
0: is it Tyler Irvin? Is that his name? Yeah, Tyler I Irvin. I like him too. He's yeah, fast.
1: he's kind of the gadget guy, wide receiver running back. This guy is a pure, not pure running back, but I think he's more just a traditional, a, a traditional yeah. running back. And the interesting thing about him is that this is the kid that started the petition to change the Mississippi State flag because it the Mississippi State flag had the was the background of the Confederate flag. Oh, so they changed that. it because it was, you know, having the Confederate flag is is a bad deal now. Yeah. So he was actually the this is the guy that started it, started the petition, and he wasn't. They were actually going to protest the season and not play until the flag got changed. So wow. they actually got the flag changed, and the state definitely flag has been some initiative. Changed. Yeah. So I think that's pretty cool. You know, the guy's kind of a leader. You know, you think he can be a good community guy and, uh, ne- you know, never really had any issues. It, just somebody, you know, yeah, strong will, good leader guy. Go out there and try to do that. That's a cool thing.
0: I love taking running backs with leader picks in the draft because most recent example is James Robinson. Running backs are so hit or miss. You can mm-hmm. take them in the first round and they can never do anything, or you can take them as an undrafted guy and they can Right. Lead and this the kid's league. a seventh round pick and yeah. who knows what'll happen. It's them. one of the most I'm not gonna say inconsistent, but like uh, random, questionable, mysterious picks. Enigmas. Yeah, really enigmas. Is, yeah. yeah. Okay. So now Cal and I are gonna fire through our biggest winner and loser of the draft. Really quick, and then get to the juicy stuff <laughs> to the main event of, of today's podcast. Really. So, <laughs> my my biggest winner of the draft, other than Minnesota, of course, mm-hmm. is the Cleveland Browns. I think they had an amazing draft. They got a bunch of steals. They got Greg Newsome, the corner out of Northwestern, at 26. Their second round pick was Jeremiah Owusu Koromora, who was one of my favorite players in the draft overall. I would have been OK with the Vikings taking him at 23, and he ended up falling to the Browns all the way at 52. So what a great pickup for them. Automatic help to their defense. And they also picked up Anthony Schwartz, the receiver out of Auburn, at 91 in the third round, who is just going to help out Baker more. If Odell has another inconsistent year, he can step up and maybe make a little bit of waves in the offense. And then in the fourth round, they picked up an offensive tackle and a defensive tackle. They picked up a safety in the fifth. And like I just said with the late round running backs, they picked up a running back in the sixth. And my biggest loser in the draft, ironically, is in the same division as the Browns, and it is the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are not my loser because of who they picked. I really like the guys that they picked, but they are my loser because they did not fill needs in the draft this Mm -hmm. year. By far, their biggest need was the offensive line, and their second biggest need was probably linebackers. Because other than TJ Watt, they don't really have many true linebackers.
1: No, they re signed Vince Williams, but they lost Bud Dupree to they Tennessee. Lost Bud Dupree,
0: Vince Williams getting up there in age, I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken. I think of it. At least late 20s, not yeah, into the 30s. Yeah, I can't think of who else they had
1: then. Yeah. I they had they
0: Shazier, got... but of course, sadly, Shazier mm-hmm. had the awful that was injury. a bad deal. Yeah. He I was I know They be were kind of
1: thinking he might come back, but I, I don't think All he the did. news around that yeah. back down. So I know that's really hard, sad because that guy was going to be good. To plan for when you think, like, you know, like, oh, well, this guy might come back, so we don't want to such a f- give up on such him. Such a fast, athletic guy in oh, a sad was, end his career. He was a really good player for the. That's just a fluke deal It happens.
0: But I really expected the Steelers to go all-line early, but they didn't. They picked up Najee Harris with 24, who Najee Harris was my favorite running back. Quick little story about Najee Harris is that he didn't even uh, play or compete, whatever you want to call it, in Alabama's pro day. But his flight to wherever it was being held got canceled and he drove over like 15 hours i'm pretty sure yeah just to support his teammates at the pro day Mm -hmm. which is an awesome trait to have all in guy i love Mm -hmm. to see that great pick for them but they just need o-line more uh their second round guy was pat fairmouth i believe it's pronounced like i said the the names in this draft are beyond me tight end out of penn state at 55 which again really like the player just didn't feel a need maybe if he was a huge run blocking tight end or blocking overall tight end but he's okay at blocking but not really overall their first o-line pick was not till the third with Kendrick Green who's an offensive guard and I mean with how much they needed o-line I just don't understand how you wait till the third to take your first o-lineman and they need
1: tackles
0: and in the fourth, they picked up a tackle with their first pick of the fourth And they lost round. their center. They lost both the Pounceys yep, retired. both the Pounceys retired. So they lost
1: their so,
0: guard, their
1: center, and their tackle.
0: Yeah, so they waited till the third and early fourth round to take linemen, and they didn't take their first linebacker, as I mentioned, as their sic- second biggest need until the late fourth round. And then in the fifth, they took a D end, and then throughout the sixth and seventh round, they took another outside linebacker, a safety, and ended it with a punter. So just overall, very questionable draft. I like their first two picks player-wise. I don't like them needs-wise. And the rest of their draft, I don't really like at all. So You know, they had James
1: Conner last year, who was a good running back. A great I, running back. I, I really like James Conner. think it Connor. was the line, which, so I don't know if that's, like you said, their, their line was the issue, and they lost the guys they had up front already. Pouncey was hurt, so he didn't play with it.
0: But they had Villanueva. They had David DeCastro all year and those guys are gone now and also they tried to replace carries from james Conner with like quick drag routes to tight ends like ebron and juju Mm -hmm. and that just it doesn't work it's not the same no so definitely questionable draft overall by the steelers but callan who is your winner and loser
1: uh well at first i was gonna go with the cowboys as my winner what bro what are you talking about man and that's because I think they won day one. Uh, and then they kind of reached the rest of the draft, which kind of brought their grade down a little bit. But I really like what they did on day one. On day one, they traded back two spots to and still got the player they wanted and picked up an extra third-round pick. The player that they picked was Micah Parsons, which if you've been listening, you know that I have really liked Michael Parsons and I thought that he was the best defensive player if not the best player in this draft. I know he's got a little bit of maturity issues. He's been really good for a long time and that gets in guys heads. And, you know, and you need a little reality check sometimes, but I think that he'll he'll shape it up and and get it because he can he's been a football professional already his whole life. I started watching him in high school because my best friend uh Mark Brown is a huge Nebraska Cornhuskers fan, which is funny because I'm a Hawkeye fan and we're best friends. So, you know, maybe that's a story and itself not all together. Yeah. But so he's always on top of their recruiting and all that. And when Parsons was coming out of high school, Nebraska was one of his final three schools. So Mark was showing me a ton of film on him and talking about him. So really, Mark was the one that showed me Micah Parsons. And from that point on, even when he showed me his high school film, we both agreed that this guy was a future first-round pick. Yeah. And we were right. Unfortunately for Mark, he chose Penn State over Nebraska. <laughs> and Nebraska Fortunately for the Hawkeyes too. <laughs> yeah, because... yeah. And yeah, it really is because he was a beast the whole time he was there. And I knew he was going to be. We both did. And yeah, so Cal and I, I were. Talking, I gotta give credit to him, to my friend, for showing me Micah Parsons. Is, without that, I wouldn't have known known much about him. Yeah,
0: Cal and I were talking just a little bit before we started recording about how it's funny to see with guys like Parsons, who are really in their own head and think they're really good, that it either turns them into a better player or a worse player. Because you see, guys like Johnny Manziel, of course, is one of the biggest where ben, he was really in on himself. He's great. He his thought whole he didn't life. have to do anything. And he was. just totally busts. But then there's also guys on the other side, like, ironically, they're both corners, but Richard Sherman and Deion Sanders, who thought that about themselves, say, like, remember after he blocked the pass, deflected Crabtree, and oh. he got picked? Yeah. Like, I'm the best corner yeah. in the NFL. Don't when test you, me with a sorry receiver. with put a sorry receiver like Crabtree on me, you're going to get burnt. <laughs> and I mean, they think that, but then they can back it up. Yeah. It gives them the spirit that they need. Dion was always dancing into the Confidence. end zone. Yeah. There's a confidence and cockiness. It's a thin line, but it's definitely a huge difference. If you're able difference. to nail it,
1: it's, yeah. it it's, it's amazing. But it can go either way. It really can. And I think, I think Parsons will get it together. I really do. He's got a good defensive coordinator down there and Dan Quinn down in Dallas. And with that third-round pick that Dallas got, they, they later picked up Chauncey Golston with that third-round pick
0: yeah. out of Iowa, Another Iowa to guy. add
1: to that defensive
0: line. So, Jerry, I think... Jerry Jones looking like the emperor from Star Wars is going to mm-hmm. zap my yeah, Parsons it's, it's into it's place. An, it's an
1: all-Big Ten defense down there. Yeah. They got Randy Gregory out of Nebraska, who I also knew about because of Mark. So, <laughs> he's another really good pass rusher. Go down there with Golston and now Parsons. I really like what Dallas did on day one. And then they kind of reached the rest of their draft to kind of drop their grade a little bit. I think, though, for... Uh, f- all around, the whole winner of the draft was, believe it or not, the New York Jets, who picked up Zach Wilson, who I think is just the way that he presented himself and everything. Oh, I wasn't day. sure. His pro day, but even afterwards, and his draft interviews and all that. So professional. Yeah. So professional. He is so ready for this.
0: I, I love Zach Wilson. You have heard us talk about it before. I love Zach Wilson since he's like a third or fourth rounder. I think two is a little high for him just because he's coming out of BYU. Hasn't had the best competition. But, man, you cannot deny, like you just said, those interviews and that pro day. I talk about it all the time. Even just that one throw from the pro day. Wow. Lights out. There were some
1: scouts, they said, that if they had the first pick, it would be difficult between Lawrence and Wilson. And people had Trevor Lawrence as they sure fired 100% since like first round pick last season. Since, yeah, yeah, three seasons ago when he had that amazing game in the national title. He could have entered the draft at that point and been the first overall pick. So I, I think it's this is going to be a really good quarterback class. I think this one's going to stick with us. Zach Wilson for is a, a long boomer, time. bus guy. He's not going to come in and just do decent. Yeah, and he He's got Justin come Fields in, and take in, over. in Chicago. I think this is going to be a quarterback class that is Kellen a Kellen Mond a long time. Don't you Mond, dare yeah. not talk
0: about Kellen Mond. Yeah, but he'll
1: be there, you know, he'll be there next season if Cousin has it his way. Yeah. He's trying to get Spielman fired for drafting. Yeah, that for, guy. If if <laughs> if reports say, sources say. sources out. say. And then it, as uh Bubba was saying, they traded with the Vikings for Ooh, 14. Love, love, and love. Took Elijah David Vera Taylor. Tucker, who will fit right on that offensive line. They took Elijah Moore, who somehow is one of the top receivers in the second round. They got the EA treatment. They, they got, got the E-Elijah and the A-Elijah. Yep. <laughs> got one of each. <laughs> and then they took Michael Carter, the running back, out of UNC, followed by Michael Carter, the defensive back, out of Duke. So that is the first time that the same team has ever picked, a in the same draft, picked a player with the same name. Uh, and it's two different positions, and ironically, two basketball school rivals, Duke, yep. and, UNC. Duke and UNC. So I think those were, and then the rest of just kind of filled out the rest of their their team. They had holes everywhere. So yeah. the rest of the draft, they took kind of just the best player available. Uh, Which is great to do. Nisrael Dean in the sixth round, I think, is a great pick. He was a defensive back turned linebacker, and... He I love those really linebacker. good. Guys. He put on a lot of muscle this year. It's a new position for him. He he played linebacker last year at Florida State after being defensive back for the last couple of years. But I think if he had been a linebacker his whole time, I think he would have been a much higher pick. So that is a late round value for them that I think you'll see a, a lot, a lot, and hear that name a lot of Hamsad Dean very good player. Very athletic. They go from defensive back to linebacker.
0: Wow. <laughs> I love those hybrid linebacker guys. Uh, you can kind of call Jamal Adams one, the way he plays all around He's the field. He's kind of that style of oh, safety name. linebacker. I cannot think of his name. Keep... Um, Erlacher was like that. Erlacher was
1: more linebacker, but in college, he was actually a safety at, at New Mexico. And then the Bears drafted him at linebacker and he he could have played anywhere he reminded me was one of the best linebackers i'd ever seen did you think of that player you were trying to think i of cannot i i
0: totally <laughs> blanked i really like him though he actually came in as a linebacker he never played dn but he was a small linebacker but he was just fast he could cover tight ends really well and i just overall not even just him i just love guys who can do that i think it really helps one of them being Jeremiah Wosukor is a guy like that, mm-hmm. which is why I was really sad when he fell all that way in the And Vikings he fell and he because did. apparently
1: he has, like, a heart murmur or something like that.
0: But then there's saying that he
1: says he doesn't, but I don't know. The and draft you know, it is, is so weird. It, it is, is kind
0: of a risk, especially this year with all the medical stuff where they can't really give right, the Right, and it was difficult physicals. this year.
1: Usually at the Combine, you get, I mean, a physical, like, you've never had before. And this year, it had to be done by either outsourced doctors
0: or or telehealth doctors. It ended up great for the Browns, but I think it's sad to see a guy like that drop because of that. I know I I said that I thought Caleb Farley would drop because of his back, but that's a little more... I'm not going to say a real injury, because, you know, heart stuff is always scary, but a more documented injury.
1: (laughs) For the losers, I'd have to say probably Seattle and Houston, just based off the lack of picks. They traded a lot of them away. Um, Seattle had three picks in this draft. They had a second round, a fourth round, and a sixth round, and that was it. They did take okay players, but to only have three picks in the draft, I mean, that's you're just yeah, not even giving not... yourself a chance to really win. Especially with how little they did in free agency. And that too, they lost a lot, a lot of their defense. They went wide receiver with their first pick in the second round, which is a good player. Dwayne Eskridge, they're going to have a great offense. It's another great great wide receiver. Has comparisons to uh, Greg Jennings, uh, who also came out of Western Michigan. They got a cornerback out of Oklahoma, which they needed one, Trey Brown, who started at Oklahoma, but just not a Not a fantastic player, but he was a starter. But they needed someone. They lost both of their corners. And I actually like their sixth round pick better because how do you not take an off, not like an offensive lineman whose name is Stone Forsyth? Stone lord. This guy is, I mean, he is a cornerstone on the end, he's an offensive tackle. And he will be there for he you. Was know, he was literally
0: born to be a cornerstone he, of an he offense.
1: Was, line. He was. He is like a boulder. You cannot move. This guy is solid rock. And he's been he started at Florida. You know, so I I just don't. I, just the name alone. How did he not go first overall?
0: You know, I'm not really going to talk about the Texans because they're just such a dumpster the Texans fire. Were, I don't. Yeah, I they, don't think we even really need no, to talk to them. You know, they had to they're take. They're just bad. This they had season. to take. They're in
1: full rebuild pick, mode. Their first pick was wasn't until the third round. And they had to take a quarterback because they don't even know if their, their quarterback only, is I gonna play. They're, and they're all, that's the only quarterback on the roster. Yeah. Watson's their only quarterback. So it's unfortunate because they need a lot of help everywhere and they have to take a quarterback when they really shouldn't have. Because Watson should have should be their quarterback for decades and they have totally dropped the ball with it. Yeah. Way yeah. worse than
0: any other team yeah. has. It's it's even sad to see. Their issues it's we'll sad to see a team here. like the Houston Texans who went from literally almost beating the Chiefs, the Super Bowl champions of the year that crazy? go to nothing because I, of one person. And Bill O'Brien is that one person. It's, it's yeah, almost, you can kinda of blame the defensive coordinator because he had the stuff with the Raiders and then he got fired he never did good before. But I think you overall just have to look at Bill O'Brien and maybe even more than him, the GM, uh Easterby, Jack Easterby. It's sad because O'Brien how much those was the coach,
1: GM, and he
0: was it was he was in way over his head. It's it's he, so sad to see a team like that just plummet and get ruined like this. Because I mean, they can't even rebuild now because they barely had any. They draft didn't have hits. any draft. Yeah, that's how you rebuild is through the draft, and they didn't have any picks to do it. That's
1: why they had to sign. what they signed thirty seven free agents this year, and most of them were to the one year deals. They're basically just throwing a street team together because they're like, "Well, we got to put a team together for the season," yep. and. They're like, well, we can't draft anyone, so just try to get as many players to one-year deals as we can. That is going to be such a ragtag group. That's going to be yeah. a team that like goes like 10-6 and six and slips <laughs> in. There, it's just gonna it's be literally a bunch movie, of outcasts. We just talked
0: about it last week, the movie The Replacements. It They're is. That to is the, movie, the closest the thing Do it.
1: If they got Shane Falco running out there. Davis Mills is going to be Davis Shane Mels Falco. Davis Mills is the new Shane Falco. If, only, if they had Shane Falco running out there, I'd have to be a Texas fan. For you
0: because
1: that would be just... <laughs> That'd be just amazing.
0: So yeah, the Texans, of course, are just screwed overall. But mm-hmm. I, the Seahawks, are gonna be one of the sneaky worst teams in the I NFL so. this year. They had, so, they're kind of like the Texans. The fact that they have an elite quarterback in Russell Wilson. I mean, they have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, so they have a good and receiving now core Eskridge, around them. They have a great receiving core around them. And I mean, so like. They have so many holes they need to fill, though, mostly on the defensive side, though, that they just weren't able to with how few picks they had. Mm -hmm. So definitely interesting to see there. But now, past the draft recap, we're going to get on to the juicy stuff. Callan, talk about your quarterback a little bit. What is happening with him?
1: So for anyone that hasn't really been paying attention, on hours before the draft started, a report had leaked out that Aaron Rodgers was very unhappy with the Green Bay Packers and was not going to play for them now and was refusing to come back. This was all news to me because, as far as I knew, things were fine. Um, I, I as far as
0: most people
1: knew. 100% thought that he was coming back. We had a fantastic season. We brought back Bakhtiari. We brought back Jones. We brought back Kenny Clark. I mean, these are all guys that came back, re-signed with us to – as Tampa puts it, run it back like they're trying to do. Well, we basically did the same thing. We are, I mean, I get that Tampa brought back their whole team. We brought back, I think, all but two or three players. And they were minor, you know, they were were role players. We lost Jamal Williams, we lost Raven Green, and I think that's it. I I can't think of anyone else right off the top of my head. But those are two guys that were role players that we did lose. But, you know, that's gonna happen. That's not very often like Tampa where everyone comes back. So let me explain that the NFL is a business and the players also have a union, just like any corporation. They most of them have the PA players association. A a union and, and the league or or you know, the corporation. As the NFL as a team, you have to look out for the present and the future. And that is one of the most difficult things to do. The Packers drafted Jordan Love with their future in mind, even though the present was still there. And I understand where that irritation could come from from Rodgers, because it's a sign of the end is near. However, in today's NFL, it is not as aggressive as it once was, and players are playing a lot longer than they used to once upon a time. Look at Brady, playing well into his 40s, and as much as we dig on him, played well. I mean, he doesn't didn't play great, but he, I'll, I'll give him well. He played well. He does enough to keep it going, and that's at forty three. Rogers will be thirty eight coming into, in the middle of this season in December, and so I think this is just a a battle of the team looking out for the future and Rogers looking out for himself. Rodgers actually wants the commitment from Green Bay that he is their their quarterback long-term. And it's crazy to say at 38 that now we're looking at long-term because the way that, like I said, the NFL is and the way that players take care of themselves, it is very possible that quarterbacks especially will play very well into their 40s. And Rodgers has repeatedly said that he wants to be in Green Bay his whole career and play well into his 40s. And I get injuries happen, and I get that de- you know, talent decline happens. It You never know when or where it's going to happen at. So I understand Green Bay's pick with Jordan Love, and I understand why it upset Rodgers. And I think all it is, what is happening right now, is Rodgers is just basically putting his foot down and saying that if you guys want me to be the quarterback – Give me the long-term commitment. I don't really care if Jordan Love is here or not. I want the long-term commitment from you that you can't just suddenly either cut me loose or trade me at any time. Because if you're just going to trade me, just do it and move on. And I think that that's what's happening here is a little bit of a, just a, a standoff of tell me I'm your quarter. If you if you really want me back, you know, like the whole organization has said, Guttekunst... Mark Murphy, our president, and Lafleur have all said, without a doubt, that that they're not trading Rogers, that they want him there, and that they see him there not only for this year
0: but the foreseeable future. Lafleur actually had a semi panic attack on camera when he Lafleur
1: and Rogers. I had, I think were sharing similar feelings because we were both on the verge of tears. <laughs> on draft night. <laughs> he, he, can't, he can't even fathom. It, <laughs> he said it. He said, I don't even want to think about Rodgers. He can't even fathom Rodgers Roger, not being there this year. So I, I think that, you know, this has all been a lot of manipulation of words and things that have been said that have been twisted around to make it sound more interesting than it really is. It is very difficult to get a contract done. If they're trying to get a contract done for a long term with either no trade clauses or guaranteed money or somehow making more cap money to bring in guys, you know, to build the championship around, it is very difficult to hammer that out. I, as a 30-year-old, buying a house on a (laughs) low, you know, low, low to middle class, I had... Three, we had three or four counter offers between me and my my real estate agent. Yeah. So I can't imagine trying to hash out a multi-year, multi-million dollar superstar style contract. You know, it's going to take time. So at this point yesterday, we were I was still very unsure of what was going to happen. And then late last night, uh, a good friend of mine... John the Coon Coon,
0: Coon Foil
1: Coon, yeah, <laughs> the fullback, former fullback of the Packers and good friend of Rogers, uh, did a local radio interview and said that he had a conversation with Rodgers. and Coon came out and said that pretty much most of it, what was coming out, wasn't true. That there was he did not say fire Goody or he wasn't coming back. That he just wants to the. He wants to be in Green Bay past the age of 40. And he wants the commitment from them to do that. And that's what this is about. It's just getting the security and commitment past this year and the next and into his 40s. And he also wants the team to be able to bring in players to build a championship around. Now, there's also a report that he was telling free agents to not sign with Green Bay that he wasn't because he wasn't going to be there. Apparently, that was... Somewhat true in the sense that any of the free agents that talked to him, again, this is all per sources, but any of the free agents that talked to him, he was just honest with. Instead, he wasn't sure because they were dealing with this contract thing and he might end up getting traded. And you know, all you have to say is that, and it gets turned into yeah, he's telling players not it's to blown come here. Proportion. You know, again, blown out proportion, words twisted around, and then there's the thing of him calling. Calling Gudikos Jerry Krause, mocking him as they said, calling him Jerry Krause. Uh, Jerry Krause is the famous Bulls GM of the '90s, who was featured on the last da- last dance documentary last year, and he was picked on and mocked and ridiculed by Jordan. And Jerry Krause and Michael Jordan didn't have the greatest relationship, and but Phil Jackson helped keep that together. Yeah. So. Jerry Krause kind of became the punching bag for everyone, because they just all made fun of him, made him, you know, but made him dance and mocked him, but hey, the guy put together six championship basketball teams. I don't know how much mocking that is. That sounds like a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> I, if Jerry Krause is your kind of GM, then we need to be having more Super Bowls.
0: <laughs> ha ha, you're acting like a legendary GM. Right,
1: and yeah, the, you know, maybe he did do shady things and things like that, and there was a lot in the last dance that you know he, he did kind of come to be the bad guy. But same thing, he was running a business and a team. A team is a business, you know? Yes. It's you have to look out for the present an and organization. The it's an organization. It so I don't think that there's as much riff as as that's out there. I think that Rogers just wants the commitment from Green Bay to be there long term and maybe he's trying to be fair to Jordan Love and say look if if you're going to give it to Love let him be your guy then. So I don't know. I don't think he really cares if Love there. I think he wants to be in Green Bay and and I do too. I want him there too. My prediction is that he does come back. I don't think they're trade they trade him because it's not financially beneficial to either team. If to trade him it would cost the Packers 20 million plus in cap space. And if Rodgers decided not to play or retire, he would have to pay the Packers $20 million. So it's a little bit ironic because many years ago, we once offered Brett Favre 20 or so, I think $25 million to stay retired because and he, he wanted to no. come back out of retirement to play for the Vikings. And we said, tell you what, we'll still pay you your contract if you stay retired. So now, because years later, look at the irony that Rodgers may retire and have to pay the Packers. It's just not going to happen, more
0: than likely. I, and I certainly hope it doesn't. That's because Brett Favre was such an elite talent that they were scared of him. I'm a, he, I'm a Brett Favre fanboy. I hate that he was a Packers and, legend, but he also played for the Vikings, almost took us to the Super Bowl, so I'm mm-hmm. okay with him. And I think the the only reason that they the breakup happened is because
1: of his... I don't know if I'm going to retire, I'm retired, retire. He and did, then they drafted Rogers, and, and they were like, look, we can't go through this every year. Rogers has said, I want to play until I'm 40. He, he has had no indications of retirement until this year, which
0: I still think is just an idle threat. Favre in the late 2000s was like a kid at a toy store. Oh, like, yeah. oh, I want this one. No, I'm going to put that back. I want this one. Yeah. Oh, I want this jet toy. No, I'm going to put it back. I want this Viking toy. No, I'm gonna put this Viking toy back. I want to leave. <laughs> is what, is eh, it? no, actually,
1: I will take the Viking toy. Yeah, ah, you know what? That didn't work out so well. Oh, oh I want this Saints toy out yeah. my
0: head. Yeah, that's what. <laughs> that's what that one. Okay, so, so to wrap this all up, that was the. Or sorry, did you have something else to say? I was just
1: gonna give my prediction on what I think is. Oh yeah, on you how it's gonna like, unfold. Sorry. You know, I I've been a Packer fan my whole life since I was five years old. I've watched the Packers because they were green and because I liked Brett Favre. And how I know, I mean, my parents have told me that I would watch Packer games because they were green. My dad and that family are Viking fans and my my mom's side they're Bears fans. So, how I became a Packers fan because they're green and because of Brett Favre. And I would so I truly would say I'm a fan. I own a stock of them, and I don't mean it to be like that person. The stock was bought when I was six years old by my grandfather, who is a Bears fan, so it has much sentimental value as well. Yes. So I'm not like just one of those guys who are like, well, I bought a stock of the team. I'm the owner. It it really meant something to me, just sentimentally for team-wise and, and family-wise. So I feel like I have been a Packers fan through thick and thin, I've been through the Favre saga. I stuck through it then. Stuck with them through then. I did not handle the Favre saga the greatest. I infamously in the family burnt a cardboard cutout of Brett Favre. He did. I we still
0: we still have the picture in our basement of the Packers roster uh, and one face is literally gone. Uh, I was, gone I was very
1: upset when he signed with the Vikings. I wasn't. I was fine with them playing for the Jets. It's when he went to the Vikings that I lost my
0: cool a little bit. You were just
1: scared. And I was scared because I knew. <laughs> I knew. I was like, oh man. Uh oh, I gotta face this guy. So
0: Okay, so I'm ready to
1: handle it better, but I do think that Rodgers will come back. I think they trade love to Houston for however many picks that they can get out of him. <laughs> too and too bad let- Bill O'Brien isn't there. You would have uh, gotten half their draft. Uh, right. And and and, and in the in the future's draft and I think that David Sims And Jordan Love. Davis Mills? uh, Davis Mills. And Jordan Love have a quarterback competition down there in Houston. And you know what? If Jordan Love ends up being anywhere like the quarterback that Rodgers or Favre is, I mean, then that's the risk you take. Yeah. What's the likelihood that he's going to be anything like Favre or Rodgers? Not very good. Right. So why not stick with the present of what you know and what you have? If Rodgers really wants out and really forces a trade, The only team I could see taking him is the Las Vegas Raiders because John Gruden wanted Rodgers back in 05 when he was the coach of the Buccaneers, but they had a quarterback, they didn't need one, and they took a running back at that time. So Gruden is one of the few coaches left in the NFL that still was around when Rodgers came out, and he's always regretted not taking Rodgers. If there's any team that will trade for Rodgers, I believe it will be the Raiders, and it will be for a... Much more plethora of picks. I think it'll be picks, not players. I think it'll be just a bunch of picks for future drafts, and it'll get a lot more for Rogers than Love. I think the best we can get out of Love, if we got a fifth round pick from the Houston for Jordan Love, if it made Rogers happy, I'd take it. Maybe you can get Alex
0: Leatherwood, the meme connoisseur. Hey, from, maybe from the oh, they,
1: Gruden seems to really like him.
0: Yeah, yeah. and he loves and then the for memes.
1: you know they're like, well, then you don't have a backup. So if we trade Jordan Love, I say you go out and you sign a veteran who is obviously not as talented as Rodgers, who's not going to take his place, so there's no, no threat from him, but somebody who is familiar with our offensive coordinator's offense and the offense that we run, and which who is may that a be? similar style to Sean McVay's, and that is Blake Bortles. Bortles is a free agent who played in Jacksonville under Nathaniel Hackett, our offensive coordinator, and was on the team that went to the 2017 AFC title game that almost beat the Patriots. And then, after that, played as a backup to Jared Goff for the Rams, while Lafleur was the quarterback's coach, or I can't remember his title, but he was on the Rams staff when Bortles was the backup. So he has familiarity with not only Lafleur's system, but also Hackett's. He could help Anyone learn the system. And if, God forbid, Rodgers got hurt, anything like that, you'd at least have a quarterback who was decent enough to go in there, know the system, and be able to hopefully keep the team afloat if it wasn't a season-ending
0: injury. And I think that's what would be best for Green Bay. Okay, so there is your rant from a panicking Packers fan. I was with him on draft night. We recorded on draft night. Mm -hmm. And, man, was he terrified. Yep. And I mean, I get it. I I could see myself in a situation like that. You've never had a Hall of Fame quarterback except for those oh, two yeah. years you had to borrow ours. But. Oh, yeah. Thanks for telling us. Yeah. Thanks for telling me. I forgot about
1: that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll take that back. You had Fran. You had Fran Tarkenton. Oh, we did have Fran. You had Fran that Tarkenton. Was, so, that was too long. You know ago what? To even but, remember, though. But, I like it. Yes. But...
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. So Dante Culpepper. My on opinion
0: roll. on this is. I'd love to not have to face Favre two times a year. He is a scary quarterback to well, play against. you don't against. have to face Favre two times or a year Or did I say anymore. Favre? I did. <laughs> I hated facing him two times a year, too. I'd love to not face Aaron Rodgers two times a year anymore because I am terrified of him. He is a great quarterback. I respect the hell out of him. But, you know, I don't really have much say in this. And I'm going to say this quick because I hate when football gets political. I don't like when that happens at all. But all I'm going to say to wrap it up is that they, Was it today or yesterday that Adam Scheffner... This morning, this after morning, the interview with John Kuhn played last night. He reported that all the articles he put out, Adam Sheffer spearheaded the whole story. He's put out almost every article on it. And almost every article just ended with basic statements like sources say. And you've heard Cal and I make that joke multiple times because I hate that he did it. But we I joke about everything. So it was mm-hmm. and we just like to joke. So the joke is because he said that sources say after almost all of his stories, and he said on the Dan Patrick show this morning that he didn't actually have any sources. Yeah, that
1: there were no sources, that there had been rumblings all offseason that Rodgers was unhappy with his contract in Green Bay, which I think just got manipulated and worded to Rodgers doesn't want to be in Green Bay. But like I was saying, he just wants to redo his contract that gives him more commitment to the team beyond this year instead of the team being deciding his future he gets to control his future which i get and i think they should but it was very wrong i think to manipulate it into a story when there really wasn't one and to break it hours before the draft i mean how many people are talking about the draft I've had to turn off ESPN, NFL Network, because they won't shut up about
0: what, where will Rogers be. What See, is he doing? Look at what he did to these poor Packers fans all around the nation. Yes,
1: all of us. Look on Twitter. All of us are in complete disarray. If you had checked with us at this point last week, we were fine. <laughs> we were fine. We had no idea that we were hours from complete chaos. And we have been in complete psychological chaos since.
0: All right, so all I'm going to say about that is Cal and I will probably joke about this for multiple podcasts Mm -hmm. to come because we both hate dwelling on negatives. We don't want to just look at the negatives of it, but I hate that he did that. I hate that all the media does that these days, and I just, you know, I wish we could actually site-check sources and Mm -hmm. see real people instead of just murmurs for any news story, especially Mm -hmm. ones in the NFL and it definitely Adam Scheffner and Ian Rappaport were the two guys I thought I could always trust. But after this, you know, might just be an Ian Rappaport. It, it happened. You know, Rappaport did it too. Yeah, I was looking back. Rappaport also had was throwing things out there. So I, you just you hate to see it. It really it messes with some fans. It, it I've with seen it, it firsthand it, yeah. that it's been and really messing with And I get why they Cowan. did it too.
1: Not that it's right, but it's, I get it. Look at all the clickbait and entertainment that it's drawn out from not only the chaos of Packers fans, but just football people in general. It got everybody being like, Rodgers is available. Yeah. You had Denver checking in. You had the Niners checking in. New England.
0: I mean, it's it's Uh, crazy. Sorry to end on a kind of downer note because we always like to be positive and upbeat, Mm -hmm. but it's just a sucky thing to see, and I – I hope the best for Sheffer. I hope it doesn't ruin his career or anything. But I I definitely hope I definitely hope stuff like that doesn't happen again in the NFL and just in all news. But that was our rant. Multiple things. Thank you for listening. The next few podcasts will probably just be news because there's not going to be a ton of stuff happening no, in the well, NFL. There'll be things that happen
1: with each week that we can kind of talk about, especially yeah. with the Rodgers saga. Something will happen. Something will come out of this. Oh, he's either going to, yeah. He'll. I mean, he's going to play. It'd be stupid to not play. I don't know. I guess if you have that much money, if you're that upset and that financially secure that you want to play, pay 20-some million to not play, Then I think issues go much deeper than
0: just team and football wise. Yeah. Well, either way, thank you all for listening, and we hope to see you next week. And don't forget eat the W's.